the markets. We just can't get enough of them. Markets are the drivers of your wealth and investment strategy. Welcome to Magic Markets with your co-hosts, the Finance Ghost and Mohamed Nalla. Together, we have more than 25 years of combined experience in the markets. Our recent shows in Magic Markets Premium have included platforms like TripAdvisor, technology businesses like Salesforce, luxury consumer brands like LVMH and Aston Martin, and even an old-school industrials group like 3M. For just 99 Rand a month and no minimum commitment, there is no better way to learn about international stocks and how to research them. Visit magic-markets.com to sign up today. This podcast is brought to you by Anbro Capital Investments. Invest in the future, invest in growth. Visit investinunicorns.com to learn more. The Unicorn portfolio is managed by Anbro Capital Investments, an authorized financial services provider. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not financial or investment advice. Please speak to your personal financial advisor. Welcome to episode 132 of Magic Markets. We've had a couple of really fun weeks of just digging into some basics, I think. How to do your own research, how to deal with technicals, fundamentals, some really cool stuff to help you learn. And today, we are going to chat a little bit more about a deal that has certainly been in the headlines. And we have none other than Justin Brophy to do it with us from Anbro. So that's very exciting. We always learn a lot from you, Just. But uh, before I welcome you, let me say hello to Mo, all the way from Canada. As always, we just finished recording a very good premium show on PepsiCo. And I'm excited to now talk about another big international stock, or a couple of them, actually. Yeah, Ghost, always a pleasure doing this with you. And, you know, this week, very excited to be covering a, a story that's topical because it's in the press. It's unresolved. It's a story around the whole Microsoft's proposed takeover of Activision Blizzard. And the reason we have Justin Brophy on the show to discuss this with us from Anbro is not just because the guys at Anbro are really smart and they understand a lot of this stuff a lot better than you and I might, but it's also because I have this very funny anecdotal story around Activision and how I just got the timing terribly, terribly wrong on this. So I'm, I'm going to lead with that and kick off and, and just share that horror story with our, with our listeners, right? Is that... I was long Activision, probably around $80 a share. Now, thankfully, a small position. Then there was this horrible story that broke around sexual misconduct amongst management, and and the share gets absolutely punished for this. The share trades down. It's down from $80-odd to around the 60s, there and thereabouts. And I'm sitting there watching that small position, riding the loss. It's around a 20% loss. And I'm saying, you know what? This stock's never going to recover. It's never going to recover. I need to actually, at some stage actually manage my risk. So I cut the position in the 60s range, maybe upper 60s there and thereabouts. And lo and behold, literally about a week after that, Microsoft announces that they're interested in buying Activision Blizzard. And guess what? The stock rallies well past my entry point back into the 80s and I lose all of that upside. So that's my horror story. And that sets the backdrop for a deal that from then until now is yet unresolved, but might be coming to a head Justin Brophy from Anbro Capital, welcome to Magic Markets. Thanks so much for having me, Ghost, and great introduction there, Mo. Good to be here. So happy to chat about a deal that started Jan 18, 2022, which is Microsoft's uh, real intention to try and acquire Activision Blizzard. So happy to jump in with you guys. Long time ago. Long time ago, Justin. That's the point, right? I think that's part of what we'll start chatting about is that is... That is a year and a half ago when Mo was playing Call of Duty with his money instead of, uh, you know, with the controller in his hand. Unfortunately, I just played it now with my cat, which put Justin and Mo had to watch live because I got a new couch. And there's only one way, unfortunately, to, shall we say, guide a cat. And that is with the use of water. If you've owned a cat, you will know this. 
that's the closest I get to Call of Duty right now. But uh, just, I think you're a bit more of a gaming fan, I think, based on the very funny name you've logged onto this call with. Either that, or you really did some deep research into Call of Duty before this podcast. Look, I, I'm both a, a shareholder and a believer in the, the franchises. I think just to to set the scene, I think today what we want to do is give sort of listeners a bit of background. We're not you know lawyers or legal experts here. We really are looking from a position of research with our investment hats on. What does this deal look like? So let's rewind before the time of Mohammed's uh, folly in the stock and go back and say, why would Microsoft on Jan 18, 2022 want to buy this franchise? What is it? So I think as investors, I mean, depending on how old you are, you know, it might be you or your kids who are playing these games. But to give you some context, Activision Blizzard has three of the biggest all-time brands in games. They are Call of Duty, World of Warcraft, and another one they've launched and is going through its third iteration called Overwatch. What do these things mean? Why would Microsoft want to pay $68.7 billion for this? I mean, it's an enormous amount of money. Well, it's very easy. Call of Duty, which was a game launched in 2003, has produced $31.1 billion of revenue since inception. It is the third biggest gaming franchise in the world. World of Warcraft, $10.62 billion worth of revenue since inception. And Overwatch, the latest iteration of this game, has produced 100 million US dollars in three months. Now, I'm not sure about you guys, but these are amazing numbers when you think of these, these particular pieces. And the franchises just roll on and on. There's loyalty to it. Hence the point of putting my name on today's call as one of the characters from Call of Duty. As many people know exactly who that is, and they're like cults, fans of these, these things. Just to put it in context... The reason we wanted to talk about it is the deal's been held up by various different regulators. And so I think the first part is the who, which we've gone through. The second part is why are regulators looking at this deal? Why, why if you're successful as a business, if, you know, Mo, Ghost, and Justin Brophy came up with a business idea, went out there, did really well, we got quite a few shareholders interested, got listed, and then we had an offer to buy it, and our shareholders felt, oh, this is a great idea. We felt it was a good idea as far as we could go with our capital. Well, why can't we sell our business? What, what's going on here? You know, what, is, what are the dynamics that happen? So first, we went through the, the what. I think let's just have a quick look at regulation. If there's any questions on the what, happy to dive into that now before we get into some of the regulatory pieces. So, so just, I mean, Microsoft's been no stranger to antitrust law. You know, Microsoft a while back was known as the big evil monopoly when they took out, I think it was Netscape as the internet browser. And Microsoft, a company we've covered in Magic Markets Premium a couple of times, a company that both Ghost and myself like, have owned, or possibly still do own as well. You know, that's a company that now we've always highlighted. We say they almost appear as though they're number two in a lot of the pillars that they play in. And that keeps them below the radar of a lot of the regulatory fire. That hasn't been the case here with regards to gaming. And I mean, Microsoft arguably looking to do this deal because they want to kind of grow their dominance in the gaming space. Gaming is a very important trend. But let's maybe start there with the regulation. I mean, this is really being driven by antitrust concerns in various jurisdictions. I mean, interestingly enough, I just saw an article saying that the South African Competition Commission is the latest regulator to approve the deal. So it looks as though it's being held up in the United States, a very important market, if I say so myself. But let's go into the you know, what is the regulation? And then maybe also expand that into which regions have given it a thumbs up and why, and which regions have given it a thumbs down. 
Mo, before just, or shall I say, Soap McTavish gets stuck in on that answer, I do just have to point out one very funny thing I read earlier. I read the same article, or, you know, the South Africa approval, but I read all the way down. It was on, I don't know if you read it, it was on some gaming site. And the guy writes there, I mean, why wouldn't they approve it, right? It's not like you can even get cloud services there in South Africa. I mean, I can just imagine someone in America, you know, down in Africa, like, shame, they don't even have internet. What do they care anyway? I mean, for goodness sakes, these people need to get out more. Justin, sort your people out in Call of Duty. Tell them to go and look at a map of the world rather than just a map of where they are playing around shooting each other. Absolutely. So I think, I think just to dive into it, I think to give your listeners some context, first of all, in South Africa, we've got the SA Competitions Act 89 of 98. And just to bring sort of listeners into scenarios where what are these guys trying to do? Are they just trying to be regulators that overregulate industry or are they trying to protect us as consumers? Well, just a couple of cases there, just to remember in South Africa. One was the Harmony Gold and Mittal case on uh, import price parity uh, in steel. That happened in South Africa. They stepped in. Both parties were fined and steel prices were, were looked at. Second one was in 2007, Tiger Brands, the whole bread fixing scandal. You know, the price of bread being fixed. And these guys do have a role to play. It is important, you know, as a consumer, like we all are, that there are regulators out there watching what's going on because entities can get too big and control pricing. So now what happens in this scenario where a gaming franchise, which, as I said earlier, produces a huge amount of, of revenue and opportunity, is being looked at and you've got the European sort of competitions regulator giving it sort of the thumbs up. And I say sort of because... No regulator at this stage has basically said they finished their investigation. But the European regulator seems to be positive and have given a thumbs up. The UK regulator has said at this stage they're not giving approval, but they've also put a caveat in that says they're not finished their investigation. So they may still get a positive approval there. The US regulator has stepped in and uh, the judge that's going to rule on it, Judge Corley, has actually said that at this stage they stopped the transaction because the FTC has decided as of the 8th of December 22 to step in and sue for Xbox's acquisition of Activision Blizzard. Now, what's the FTC? Well, the FTC is exactly like SA's competition, you know, act. They, the FTC in the Straits is the position whereby they are saying it's unlawful for a company to monopolize or attempt to monopolize a trade, meaning a firm with market power cannot act to maintain or acquire a dominant position by excluding competitors or preventing new entry. That's from their website. What does that mean in this case? Well, the concern here is that there are three big platforms in the world for gaming. There's actually four, but one of them is, is a little bit anomalous, and I'll speak about that. They are PlayStation, which is the dominant giant, followed by NVIDIA, followed by Xbox. Lastly, you have Nintendo. Nintendo, lastly, because it's been very, very sort of bound by the platform, you know, Nintendo's console platforms, and made a big comeback in the last couple of years. Not to be ruled out, but they, they seem to have consoles that are built for their games. It's changing, but it's changing slowly. They also happen to have the world's biggest grossing game, which is Pokemon, around $90 billion since it was launched. Now, the first step is, are we just talking about gaming and regulation? No, we're not. Because if you look at PlayStation and why these things become important, PlayStation recently launched a very successful franchise, which then became a movie series, which is so not a movie, but a series, and it's now looked at as a movie as well. So what happens is you find entertainment here, which is 
not only platform-based, but moving into bigger spaces, multiple revenue across multiple devices, from your cell phone or mobile, all the way through to your computer gaming console, through to your PC. Now, what kicked off the big noise about this was there was a Microsoft CFO sent an email out after they had acquired a company called ZeniMax Games. And ZeniMax Games brought in some really interesting sort of content and things to their Xbox platform. But the CFO, Tim Stewart, sent out an email, and this is what spooked the market. It said, all games going forward, not just new IP, but all games going forward, will now be exclusive on PC and Xbox. So then what happened is it spooked, obviously, the market. It spooked the PlayStation guys who are looking at something like Call of Duty, which is a massive franchise across their platforms and demand as well. You can imagine, if you're a gamer... A lot of gamers are very loyal to the, the actual franchise they support. And it's a bit like being a BMW fan or a Mercedes fan or a Porsche fan. You follow that, you know, as opposed to what it is. And these things have longevity and they, they generate all sorts of, of lateral revenue off them. So what started to happen then was PlayStation then stepped in and said, but hold on, we've had Call of Duty since 2003. We've got a loyal fan base. We don't want to lose, obviously, customers because they can't get it on our platform. Xbox then moved back and said, no, 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 we will give you firstly a three-year deal, then they said a 10-year deal. At that point in time, PlayStation said, no, they don't believe that, and they don't see any reason why they would continue to offer this Call of Duty franchise on this. So it became a tug-of-war between the two. In the interim, to Mo's comment, you had the concerns around the management of Activision Blizzard, which came out, which was anything from misogyny, sexual harassment, and racism. I mean, pick the trifecta, they had all of it. And uh, the good news is that particular CEO, should the deal go through, will leave, you know, not long after the actual transaction happens. So you had that scenario. Then you got U.S. senators jumping in, including Bernie Sanders in April 22, who jumped in and said, no, 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 the FTC has to look at this, because this company is just lacking morals. You know, how can we believe what the guys are saying? And we need to look at this so that employees are not disenfranchised by this thing being sold. So there was a history of poor management in that in this space. And you've got everyone, including U.S. senators, regulators from Europe, regulators from the U.K., all looking at this transaction, which made it messy. The, the stock was trading around $74. It then fell to the point Muhammad made when, when the, the noise came out. It then rocketed up to around 80 and is currently trading around 85 the uh, the buyout price is around $95 at the moment. That's what, you know, if one looks at the $68.7 billion takeout with the number of stock, that's roughly where the price will be. So it's it hasn't moved there because there's still uncertainty. And lastly, the thing I want to mention is there's a hell of a lot of concern around movement to cloud. Now, I'll leave you as smart guys in the market, being Mohammed and Ghost, and your listeners to think about why you would get nervous as different countries if gaming moved to the cloud. The reason could be domicile. Where, where are you know, these, these places domiciled? What happens to employment of people in your country if you know, all that revenue is going to somewhere else? I don't know. But that would be the conversation point. Where we are now is we are waiting on a judge in the US, which is Judge Corley, who's having a look at the whole transaction. The FTC has opposed it, which is U.S.'s is a sort of watchdog, consumer watchdog. And it's now a big sort of waiting game to hear what happens next on that basis. The market's feeling at the moment is that two out of three will see the deal through. 
So if the if the judge rules in favour of Microsoft's takeout, then you should see with Europe, then the UK would probably look at that and probably consent to it as well. If the judge rules against it, we should see quite an interesting play out then. The likely is $3 billion fee to Activision Blizzard from Microsoft, which they'll have to, they'll have to pay for all of the, the drawn out pieces. So everything has a cost. Share price could probably fall. But in our view, you know, with the revenues they generate, there'd be the shock of the deal not going through, quickly followed by, we believe, a look at the tangibles through the next round of results, and you'd see something growing, and you'd look at it on its tangible basis. So that would be the summary beginning of our chat, almost. Justin, I think that's a great summary of what's happened. Uh, I've got to tell you, I was doing some more Googling about uh, Soap McTavish while you were talking earlier. I found a, a headline called, Ghost and Soap are totally boyfriends in Modern Warfare 2, subline, only Ghost can call him Johnny. I'm not sure what to read into this or why you've chosen this name today, and I've decided not to think any further. What I will also say is the problem with Microsoft is they can't develop their own titles, right? So they, they I mean, they can, but it's not great. So we obviously follow Microsoft quite closely in Magic Markets Premium, and the console sales in Xbox have been a bit slow lately. The subscription stuff, the sort of cloud gaming hasn't been fantastic, you know, and that's what they're trying to buy here, right? They're trying to buy a solution to that. They've got the hardware. They are trying very hard to buy the content, you know, no one wants to play LinkedIn as, a, as an Xbox game. You, know, you probably earn points for being humbled and double if you're blessed. You know, no one wants that. But so Microsoft struggles with how to figure that out. But I, I guess, you know, the bigger picture story here is we saw a business like Meta was built over the years through some big acquisitions. You know, they bought WhatsApp, they bought Instagram, often quoted as an example of something that shouldn't have happened, arguably. Certainly politicians don't like it. What does this mean for growth company valuations? Because some of those valuations bake in the ability to go and buy up ways to plug a gap or to keep growing. It's not easy to keep internally building something excellent. You know, we can't say for sure that the team at Meta could have built WhatsApp or could have built Instagram. We can probably guess that they're going to build a competitor to, well, they are building a competitor to Twitter. It's actually launching soon, you know, while Elon is doing all kinds of crazy things, but it's not the norm. So what does this mean high level for these sort of growth multiples if these competition regulators start to act more harshly as we're starting to see come through here? So Ghost, the way to maybe look at that is um, Lena Khan, who's the chair of the Federal Trade Commission, the FTC, who's actually opposing this whole deal. She's actually known for being quite aggressive about Amazon when you talk about uh, big, large players. And she's always been hypercritical about you know Amazon and how it's acquired certain areas and become so dominant across logistics you know, almost, it's almost a price maker when someone wants to sell something on Amazon, you know, they can, they can influence that. And so she's, she's someone who I think is more and more, you know, highly qualified in the space. They're not just a regular disc, you know, a regulator who's disconnected from the industry. This is a seriously smart regulator. You know, she did her scholarship at Yale on antitrust and competitive policy. It was so good that it got her a job at the Federal Trade Commission. And so looking into this, you know, you're seeing one, uh, a regulator that's definitely stepping up and starting to see how these things link together, because we're talking about new and growth areas. It's hard to understand today how two things can come together. Now, something about Xbox is as the number three player, what they've been trying to do here is they have much like you would have in a Spotify where you pay one, you know, monthly fee. They have what's called the Xbox Pass. And on that game pass, they would put all these games. Now, what happens is it changes the perspective. So if I was on one platform and I went and I had to pay a large amount, 60, 70 pounds or $60 or $50 to use a particular game, 
or I just paid 11 you know, dollars or pounds a month and I had it on the pass, it pulls in all those games together and creates a new type of a new tiles revenue model. And that was a big fear for Sony was how, how, you know, through PlayStation, how could they compete with that? Because they couldn't get access to that. They'd have the game, but they'd be paying, you know, that was their fear. Now, when you look at that in the context of growth stocks, I think you've got to be specific when you look at which stocks are in that space. You know, sometimes it's better for a biotech that develops an incredible technology, but it simply doesn't have the balance sheet or resources to roll that out, to partner with someone bigger who can actually get that to market. On the other side, that big one, big player could take it out the market because they have a large product that uh, they don't really want impacted at this stage. So both those things need an educated regulator. And I think in this case, we're starting to see the narrowing of that gap. I do think that there have been some clever, um, you know, sort of uh, mergers. And I think we're reaching a point, even in markets at the moment, where I think we're going to start to see merger and acquisition scenarios picking up because markets have slowed down. You know, guys are looking around at companies as to what they can actually do to go forward. And it's a huge opportunity to consolidate, you know, where we are now. But I do think you have a regulator who is more educated looking at these transactions, not just looking at a a transaction like Meta, and to your point, uh, today. They're looking at it now with a proper hat on. So growth companies are going to have to bear that out and look at it. And it's going to be harder, I think, to pull the wool over this regulator's eyes and grow something absolutely massive unless it's transparent. So the benefit's got to be transparent, and the marriage between, you know, and the merger or takeout's got to be visible and to the benefit of, of more than just shareholders. Yeah, just I want to jump in here, and maybe, maybe as like a parting point from my side. I mean, whether this deal resolves or not, I think the size of the deal is why it kind of popped up onto regulators' radars in a very big way. But the gaming space is very exciting. I mean, we've had a number of small studios, gaming studios being taken out by players like Tencent in China. What else is on your radar? You know, whether Microsoft Activision happens or not, is there anything else in the gaming space, whether that's a smaller gaming company or is it a larger play? Is it a relative play between the likes of a Sony, for example, who's strongly lobbying against this Microsoft Activision deal? Do you play a Sony against a Microsoft or a Sony against an Activision? What's the other non-obvious play in this gaming space, according to you guys, based on what you've seen? So that's a huge question. I think, I think if you look at it, but the, the way I would answer that is rather look and say, who has something with huge longevity? You know, one of the newer gaming franchises, as I mentioned earlier, is called The Last of Us, which was on PlayStation, you know, released by them. I don't know this game, I, you know, I just know that it went from being beyond just a game. So if one looked and said, okay, I've got a gaming franchise. The trick here is to look at what I said just now, where it's becoming like a Spotify. We, whoever's going to get that biggest licensing fee, how best do they optimize that? You know, if you think recently, um, you know, we went through the whole, all the Marvel movies and we looked at how Marvel became spin-offs into series and, you know, heroes that are maybe smaller than the big characters have got their own series, how that spun off, how that's become junior versions of those. And those are movies and, and, and they're out there and all the franchise pieces around it. The benefit of owning the rights to these things and the big players that they can roll those platforms out on is huge. So when you look at this, I think if you ask, when I look through the mist there, what do we see? At the moment, I see a, a race to get 
you know, franchises, a race out there to get franchises, to potentially get them onto an annuitized platform you have, like an X, Xbox Game Pass type scenario, and no longer looking at a scenario where a game something you buy in a shop, or you buy that game online. You're going to buy a stream because you get access to that content. And that content might go further. It might include the movies. It might include not only gaming, you know, other spin-offs that come from that, you know, whether it's merchandise or whatever comes from there. So I think, personally, I, I think it's good that there's the ones we know, and then you've got all the new gaming pieces like Tencent. I mean, if you look out there, Tencent's incredible. I mean, it's WhatsApp with banking, with a, a whole sort of uh, ability to to buy and sell on. I mean, it's it's really, it's much more than just WhatsApp that we deal with. So I think crossover and, and stuff is there, and there is opportunity. But I think look at it more contextually as to where we are going as one big picture as opposed to, you know, trying to spot small ones, very hard to say something will be successful. Pokemon, incredibly successful in the East. Not so successful maybe in Europe, you know, from, from that point of view. Justin, thanks. I think it's been a great show. I've mean, learned about your new nickname. I don't know what you'll come on as uh, next time. I'm sure Soap McTavish will now hand up, uh, hand up his gloves. But, yeah, there's a lot going on here. I mean, the world at the moment is a battle for content and platforms. Content and platforms. That's what technology is. It's literally content and platforms everywhere you look. So it's great to understand this stuff. And you guys do understand this stuff. You know, as growth investors, um, I would point people to the Anbro website, something we know well now on Magic Markets, which is investinunicorns.com. I mean, just they can reach out to you on LinkedIn, I'm sure, or whatever the case may be. You know, to go and learn more about the team at Anbro, go listen to some of the old podcasts. There are a lot of them with you, with Craig and Tony. Make sure on the website now, all the Magic Markets interviews are there, and there are a lot of them for anyone keen to understand, you know, how you think about the world. So, Justin, thanks. It's great to have you back on the show. We look forward to having you back again. Any last words from you just in terms of, you know, pointing people to information? Yes, thanks very much, uh, guys. Thanks to you and your listeners and to, to Mo as well. Always good to be with you guys. And listen, for listeners, my contact details are on the website. You know, get in touch with us if you've got a question or, you know, even something interesting. You might find you the programmer or you're someone in that industry and you've got an interesting insight or question. Let us know. We, we, we certainly don't know everything. Lovely. Thank you so much, Just. We'll chat soon. Thanks. Cheers. Thanks, guys. This podcast is brought to you by Anbro Capital Investments. Invest in the future. Invest in growth. Visit investinunicorns.com to learn more. The Unicorn Portfolio is managed by Anbro Capital Investments, an authorized financial services provider. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not financial or investment advice. Please speak to your personal financial advisor 